Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today, I just want to say thank you to Novartis for being a sponsor of FACTS Roundtable Podcast. Today's guest was not sponsored by Novartis or compensated in any way to participate in this specific podcast. The holidays are here and we're sitting down with Food Allergy Mom and FACT-recognized Food Allergy Support Group Leader and member of FACT's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Advisory Board, Ashley Smith. To learn how to get our crafty juices flowing this holiday season with a few fun ideas for crafts and activities that are perfect for school or home. Welcome, Ashley, to Facts Roundtable Podcast. It is absolutely fantastic to have you back on the show with us. You always bring such fun crafts and ideas and things that just absolutely warm my heart. And I'm sure our listeners will be very delighted with today. Hi, Caroline. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Before we get started, can you share your food allergy story and then how you became a strong leader and voice at school? I'll be honest, when I heard about the activities at your child's school, I have to tell you, I secretly wished I was your neighbor. Well, our food allergy story began a little far back in 2009. Over the past 12 years, we have managed multiple food allergies, environmental allergies, allergies with no known cause, as well as asthma. And I have to admit that the early days were a challenge. It was extremely difficult for us to get a doctor to really listen to my concerns or to even give us a referral to be able to get the allergy testing done. And then when preschool started, I assume that all parents and educators would want to work as a team to help keep my child safe. Unfortunately, what ended up happening is that both me and my child experienced bullying. We were even followed home by a parent who was so upset. Our teacher had asked her to not bring cookies with nuts in them. And she followed us home and just yelled at my four-year-old son and I. The school principal said that the only accommodation she would allow for us was to sit in the nurse's office during lunchtime, that he would have the door shut, and that would be his accommodation to keep him safe. Honestly, it was mentally and just emotionally exhausting to the point that we decided to make the decision of leaving the school because I didn't feel that it was a safe or mentally healthy environment for neither of us to be in. And that's in 2014, I became the support group leader for the Food Allergic Families of Los Angeles, which at that time was under the name No Nuts Moms Group of Los Angeles. And I've always loved event planning. And so I started hosting allergy-friendly and food-free events for our community, which was so much fun. And I went on to chair the Los Angeles Heroes Walk for Fair for two years. We found a new school that was welcoming 
of working together as a team. And then over the past eight years, I've been very active at our schools. Currently, I serve as our PTSA board. I'm involved with planning our PTSA events. I chair our new PTSA DEI board. I'm frequently seen around school. And while it's a lot of work, it's so rewarding because it's no longer just my children that I'm doing this for, but it's the children who never thought that they could safely experience a school Halloween event, and now they are. It's the students who are becoming more knowledgeable and supportive allies to their peers, too. And so it's just been a really rewarding experience. It is so beautiful that your work has spread out to so many different areas and is helping so many kids. And I have a feeling you're up in the middle of the night a lot working on things. I just have a sneaking suspicion. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of late nights. (laughs) Well, I'm sure everyone appreciates it. Now you have a reputation for developing incredibly fun and creative holiday ideas for all ages and budgets. I personally follow you on social media and that cake that you created for allergic living was simply stunning. I was just in awe. So based on your experiences here, how do you begin your planning? Do you start with a budget? Do you pick a theme or a desired outcome? Where do you even begin? Well, first, thank you. My new Kitchen Craft series for Allergic Living has been such an honor and a joy. I have to take a moment to just express my gratitude to Allergic Living's Chief Editor, Gwen Smith, for really allowing me and giving me this opportunity to do the Kitchen Craft series for Allergic Living. And I love that I'm able to help others learn how to create these beautifully crafted desserts that happen to be top nine allergen-free friendly And I'm sure you're aware that it's incredibly difficult to find allergy-friendly bakery items. (laughs) It can be a real challenge. And so for me, baking these creative and allergy-friendly cakes is an expression of art, and I'm thrilled to share it with others. I think it's important to sit to a budget. We all want to be mindful of how much we're able to spend. I find that I'm typically able to begin my process by picking my theme or inspiration. And then I visualize what I want my desired outcome to be. And once I have that visualization of what I want it to be, then I scale my design either up or down based on the budget that I'm working with. Also, too, do you look at a timeline? Like, do you have like a certain amount of time you start ahead? So typically, I always like to make my cakes ahead of time. I get the cakes made. I get them cooled because you want to make sure that your cakes are cooled before you start doing any carving or frosting or anything like that. And then I do decorating and then like to take some breaks and just split up the process because then it doesn't feel as overwhelming. That's really solid advice because I've had moments where I've started something and it's two in the morning and I'm still going where I wasn't planning out too well and there are things that you can do ahead or that late night run to the grocery store or the drugstore to get glue sticks. That's a good one on my part. Or you're like, as you're about to put a candle on it, you're like, hold on, let me get this last (laughs) almost done. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, I understand it. I really, it's been a learning curve. I think everyone goes through that learning curve of what works well, what doesn't work well for them. But definitely I recommend spacing it out, giving yourself time so that you're not rushed. Makes good sense and having fun at it. Exactly. 
I am really excited to hear what holiday craft that you would like to share with listeners today. I've been waiting for this, so if you can please go ahead and share your holiday 2021 craft idea. Okay, so here we go. My 2021 holiday craft is actually a hot chocolate craft. Now, I know you're already wondering, how is hot chocolate a craft, right? (laughs) How are we going to keep this food free? Well, I'm happy to say that this is a non-food project that I have done at schools myself, and I always see such smiling faces when I'm done. So it's been a very successful craft. Let's get into the materials that you need. To do this project, you're going to need plastic do-it-yourself mugs, and they have a coloring sheet inside of them to decorate. So typically the mug is clear with an insert sheet that you can take in or out. And I personally like to purchase the mugs that have a lid on top, but you could certainly use mugs that don't have a lid if you're unable to find them or it's just your personal preference. Just find that it's easier for the children to take home the mugs if there's a lid on top. Both styles can be found at your local dollar store, which makes this craft easier on everyone's budget. And then the additional items are brown construction paper, white tinsel or cotton balls, And then white and red pipe cleaners and foam marshmallows, which I have to be honest, I didn't know there was a thing such as foam marshmallows until I took on this craft. (laughs) Now, where do you find foam marshmallows? So I found them at my local craft store, Michael's, Joanne. I'm sure you can find them on Amazon. Um, And then so what we're going to do is after the children have finished decorating their coloring sheets assist them if they need assistance with placing it into their newly designed mug. Then we're going to make hot cocoa. Yes, we are making hot cocoa without food. And so this is a great allergen-friendly activity to do. And especially with younger children, this is a great opportunity for them to practice their fine motor skills by tearing the brown paper and What you do is after they tear the construction paper is they're going to fill their mug with that brown construction paper and that's the hot cocoa. So either they tear it and they put it in themselves or another way that I've done it is I've had the brown construction paper already put into little cups and then they do the motion as if they're pouring it into their cup. So we're really using our imagination with this crap. So after we have our hot cocoa, and, you know, we want to make sure that we're careful because hot cocoa is usually warm. Any child that wants to put whipped cream, because some like it, some don't. I always hear who likes it and who doesn't like it. If they want to have the whipped cream, then they're going to take the white tinsel or the cotton balls, and that is going to be the whipped cream. Next, we're going to go on to the marshmallows. Lots of kids like the marshmallows, some of them don't. So again, it's, you know, there's flexibility and I love that the kids really get to customize this, right? So they're making this however they want to. So the kids who like the marshmallows in their hot cocoa, honestly, they love pouring them in there. Some of them are like, can I have more? But what I do is I actually draw on little smiley faces just to make it a little cute. You don't have to, but it's a cute little fun addition. They like to see the little faces. In addition to this craft, I had some of the children say, well, I like candy canes. 
And so then I got thinking, well, how can I incorporate candy canes for the kids who like candy canes? Well, we use white and red pipe cleaners, and the kids just twist those together and make the shape of the candy cane. So now we've got our hot cocoa with the brown construction paper. We've got our whipped cream. That's either the cotton balls or the white tinsel. And then we're going to have our marshmallows and our candy canes if they want it. Now, no food is being actually used. And the kids just love using their imaginations with this. And many of them tell me what kind of drink that they plan on putting into their mug when they get home. And what's interesting is not all of them want to put hot chocolate into their mugs. So I've had children say that they want to put warm apple cider into their mugs. They can't wait to use cold chocolate milk because they don't like the hot cocoa. They'd rather have something cold, which is completely fine. And then I've even had children say they're just putting water into their cup because that's what they like. And I love that this provides them something that they get to take home. It's personalized and it's something that they can use and they enjoy it. Oh my goodness. This is so fun. And I love the concept of they don't actually have to put hot cocoa in it and that you're encouraging that creativity and them tailoring it to their life and to what's very special. And so the imagination gets to continue even after they've created the art, but they can just have so much fun with it at home. And I love that it's going to fit everybody's budget. Yeah, that was important to me because classrooms, you can have anywhere 24, 26 students. We want to be mindful of costs and trying to keep it cost effective. If you have older students, they don't have to do the whole process of making the cocoa. Maybe they just want to design the mug. So there's a lot of flexibility with this for many different age ranges and preferences and You're not having to worry about dietary restrictions or anyone being unsafe because they're being exposed to an allergen. And so I thought it was a really great craft to share. I'm going to steal this idea because Layla is a freshman at college and Halloween, her and her friends decorated cookies. And so I think I'm going to just gather up the supplies and send it down. I think they'll have a blast. Oh, I think so too. And they they can put whatever they want to drink in it. Yeah, that's right. We are talking college. Oh, I think that's really fun. Well, thank you for sharing it. That was a fabulous craft. And how fun is that? I hope you'll post pictures on social media for those of us who follow you. And actually, can you share your social media handles? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. And so I am at ashes, A-S-H-A-S dot teal dot adventures. And that's where you can find my kitchen crafts, all my bakery items. You can find my crafts that I do either in schools or I have a lot of painting projects and things on there. And also you can see me with Allergic Living's Kitchen Craft Series. Wonderful. How does managing food allergies impact your holiday idea or plans? Managing food allergies definitely increases our due diligence. Our family is very supportive. We do the cooking. We're the ones that are reading the labels, calling companies, just as we typically would. We're the ones that are actually preparing the food. We do things that we similarly would always do to keep ourselves safe. We have our medication with us at all times. 
And if we're in the process of going somewhere, you know, we do our research ahead of time. Is there a mention of roasting chestnuts, right? That's a common thing that I'll look for. We're going to a holiday winter event. If there's hot cocoa, maybe we don't know if it's safe. We'll bring our own or we'll plan to drink at home afterwards. And our family's pretty used to it, so it's not so much of a big deal to us. But I think we all find ways to adjust and to make things work. That's, for me, safety needs to always come first. And then we can always figure out and rearrange once we know that we've found a safe alternative. I think it's always so helpful to hear how other people handle things. Sometimes you pick up new ideas. Sometimes you just get validated. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, let's talk holiday or seasonal decorating. How can we get our children involved in decorating at any age? Okay, well, you know me. (laughs) I love decorating. I love celebrations. I love the holidays. And so I think what's most important is you find something that every person is excited about, right? What's something that's going to bring everyone joy. So what might make me joy? Doing the Christmas tree, right? And so I've got my glowing light bulb necklaces and earrings and I'm having a fun time, but maybe someone else's joy is doing the outdoor decorations. And so we make sure that they're very involved in that process. Or maybe we have younger kids where they see the grownups doing all this decorating and they want to be a part of it. So maybe we make a paper chain to get them involved in it. Maybe they're doing art crafts to put up on the wall. I think it's important to just find ways to incorporate and to include everyone. And for me, I don't like to force anything on where people feel like they have to have the same level of excitement. I have an extremely high tolerance and love for the holidays So I don't expect everyone to have that same feeling as I do, which is completely okay. But I think just getting everyone involved and just being together. Maybe we have an elderly family member who can't maybe participate the same way they used to. But just having them there, hearing them, being present with them, I think it makes a world of the difference. I really enjoy that you brought up just the elderly and other family members where it's just about being present. That is so key because I think right now it's so distracting with COVID and so much going on that we forget to be present and just really be with each other and just enjoy the moment. That was really beautiful. You brought that up. For me, I, I tend to like all the details, right? I like all those details, but then I always have to come back and say, Am I really experiencing this moment? And so I think you can apply that to many different people. Are you experiencing this moment? Are you getting the most joy out of this experience? If this can help someone just kind of step back and really say, am I enjoying this moment? I think it's worth it. Really be present in the moment. Oh, absolutely. It's all about the spirit, right? That's right. (laughs) Each year, you and your family create a really special craft or experience. I think last year you had the hot chocolate bar. So now this year, what is your family holiday craft or special meal or something that you're going to be doing together? So yes, last year was the hot chocolate bar, which was so much fun. My kids had just so much joy and they loved 
being able to have all of the necessary ingredients in one dedicated area. You know, they had their favorite holiday mugs and it was just all ready for them in a nice, neatly put area so we could grab a cup of hot cocoa by the fireplace. For this year, though, we have many baking projects ahead of us from cakes to sugar cookies to gingerbread decorating going to be one too many sweets going on in my house. When we talk about for art projects, because you know I can't let the holidays go without creating an art project, what we're actually going to be doing is I started doing this uh, a few years ago where when we would have our Christmas tree cut, we would take a very small slice from the trunk of the tree. And so I would mark it with the year. And now that we have a couple of them, what we're going to do is I'm going to have our children actually paint those and we're going to make ornaments out of it. And so it's really an opportunity for us to just kind of cherish and bring a little bit of those holidays with that Christmas tree that was special to us in that moment that we thought was the perfect Christmas tree for our family And we'll be able to have the year on it. The kids will paint the year. And so that'll be our holiday craft this year. That is just brilliant. How fun is that? Oh, my goodness. You are so creative. Thank you. I I like to be present in the moment. I also like to pay homage to our past and and to also just really cherish those special memories. Because as you know, they go by quickly. The years just pass. (laughs) They do. I don't even know how I have two kids in college. I still just don't understand this. Well, thank you for sharing. That was absolutely wonderful. Switching gears a little bit, you're a member of FACT's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Advisory Board. So first, thank you for your service and your time, because all of us at FACT really appreciate you. But do you have any tips for listeners about how to incorporate cultural traditions into the holiday season? For example, growing up in my family, we enjoyed eating dolmas and enchiladas with our turkey. How fun is that? That sounds tasty. (laughs) Oh, it was a smorgasbord, a good food. (laughs) I think that the holiday season is a really wonderful time for us to reflect and to build a deeper connection to our own cultural traditions, whether we're incorporating cultural dishes as your family does. You know, I think that's a great tradition for you guys to have and Maybe you take it a step further this year. If someone doesn't know how to make that favorite recipe, connect with a relative who does or find a recipe online that can teach you how to make it. And I know since, you know, your children are in college, you know, maybe approach your children this year if you haven't already done so and set aside some time where, you know, you teach them how to make these traditional family meals And while you're passing down these cultural, traditional recipes, you're also creating memories that, you know, you guys can carry throughout the upcoming years. Oh, my goodness. I love this idea. I mean, my head's already spinning because my dad is really good at making spanakopita and he's always made it with me. And so I think we'll have a day where he does this. And then my husband's from Iran and is a phenomenal Persian cook. So I'm already thinking we can have another day where it's the Persian cuisine and then we can have the Mexican cuisine on another day. And I think my kids would love this. What a brilliant idea. Oh, I love that. And you've got me hungry now because that sounds delicious. You're going to have to have me over. That's so yummy. (laughs) 
see, this is why I keep saying I secretly wished I lived right next to you. Well, I really hope you guys do it because sometimes we're so used to that one person who's making those dishes. And I think there's such an opportunity for us to really connect with one another and to really pass on those traditional recipes or just the traditions that we carry throughout our families. It is really important to keep passing them down. I would, I would really hate for my children to have their children and not know how to make these things that we always eat on the holidays or just any special times. Thank you for those tips. Now, before we wrap up today, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners? First, I'd just like to thank you, Caroline, and Fact, and all of our listeners for sharing part of their day with me today. For top nine allergen-friendly recipes, decorating instructions, or craft ideas, you're welcome to follow me on social media. Be on the lookout for my kitchen craft series with Allergic Living. I've got some exciting things coming there. So I know you're just going to love it because I'm really excited about it and it's hard for me to keep it quiet. It's really an opportunity. We may have allergies and we may manage food allergies, but with a pinch of patience, a cup of creativity and a liter of love can all create beautifully crafted desserts that everyone can enjoy. So inclusion never tasted so sweet, Caroline. Thank you for having me and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. What a wonderful sentiment. And I just thoroughly enjoyed you today on the show. I look forward to when you come back again. And I'm going to be openly and freely stalking you on social media to see all the wonderful things. So thank you. And everyone have a lovely day. Before we say goodbye, I just want to say thank you one more time to Novartis for sponsoring Facts Roundtable podcast. Today's guest was not sponsored by Novartis or compensated in any way to participate in this specific podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.